Welcome to my Best Eleven podcast. Today we are joined by a striker, a man in the box who played for a number of teams around London, um, as well as Sheffield Wednesday up north, Charlton, Brentford, Palace, Southend, and also played for England under 21. And when it was a thing, England B team as well. Um, today we are joined by Paul Williams. How are you, Paul? I'm great, thanks, Andrew. How are you? Very good, very good, very good. Marvin, how do you know Paul, or is it Willow? Is that what you said, Marvin? Willow, earlier? yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I call him Willow. I mean, similar. I mean, I don't, I don't know what age you are, Will. I think, I mean, if we're the same age, or if you're a little bit like slightly older than me. I mean, probably, probably up slightly from... older. I was born in '64. Oh, okay. He looks well, doesn't he? 68. So I literally coming up through the ranks, played early, early days, played against Willow when he was probably at Palace, Charlton maybe. And I mean, yep. a difficult opponent. Like it was like slight, quick, sharp, like a goal scorer. I know, but I also had the, the, the physique in my opinion, because he looks like he was like, there's nothing off him, but could hold the ball up so well. So um, over the years, got to got to know him, and um, obviously he's out here now in America as well as I am. And so um, we've, I mean, I made I made contact with Willow, I think, but way way back when I was looking to come out to see what sort of um, contacts he had. In fact, I remember. Yeah, um, yep, yep, that's yeah. right. Fantastic. Yeah. So go back to your playing days. In um, who put who on each other's asses when you were playing? Well, I'm going to tell you that. Um, I appreciate the compliments from Marvin. I always had difficult games against him. I've actually got a photo somewhere, an old photo somewhere, which I tried to dig out with, uh, I think, a picture of me being tackled by him. So, um, yeah, there were certain defenders that you knew that if you were playing against them, that you were going to have a torrid time and that, you know, you really wanted the ball in behind rather than balls to feet. So and Marvin was one of those players. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. We'll find a little bit more about when you played against each other um, a little bit later on. But Paul's here to talk about the best 11 players he's ever played with on a pitch. Um, so obviously that can come from club um, or if he wishes to uh, dip into his international career as well. And we'll ask some questions about his career as we go. So we're going to start off with your management. Have you, out of interest, um, have you ever had a, had a thought? I know you're coaching at the moment or or you have been coaching a little bit over in the States. Have you ever had a thought to go into full-time um, kind of management? Uh, definitely not. Definitely I know not. you did After... a little bit. Was it a little bit of Canby? Was that right? Yeah, I did. I did some management, but really and truly, I, I'm, I love the, I've loved playing the game and I don't really feel that I've got resolve to, to be at, at the top level and all the politics that's involved in it. Um, I don't think it's really for me. I, I much prefer the, the area where I'm at now, which is passing my knowledge on to, to players and maybe inspiring young players to want to go on and play at whatever level. Um, senior management is something you've really got to be. Um, I, I don't think I'm cut out for that personally. So this will be a bit of fun for you. So, and um, this is as close as you can get to it, um, picking the best players you've had. So we'll start off formation-wise. As a striker, are you an ultra-defensive person-minded or are you just a gun-ho? And what's so, the formation you've gone for? So the formation I've gone for is the old-fashioned 4-4-2. Um, but I would say that the formation I've gone for gives me a bit of flair attacking-wise um, in the wings and up front. Um, I've gone for some stability in the midfield, midfield two. 
And then my back four are really quite solid, particularly the five and six or four and five. And I've got the wing backs that would kind of push on. But I also feel the formation I've gone for is quite fluid in terms of the players are such talent that they can, you know, they can morph into a four, three, three at any given stage. So I think I've gone for a really robust um, and one that can improvise. Yeah. Where did you like to play um, with a two on your own? Would it, or with this, would you prefer this modern three with a target man, a couple of wing? What would you like or what did you like? Uh, well, the way the game's changed is definitely definitely not in my favour in terms of, as, as Marvin said, you know, I wasn't bad at holding the ball up, but my, my strength really was getting the ball in behind and stretching defences. Um, and I feel that the, the work of a striker now when they're playing the number nine, he's like a lone hunter um, and really and truly doesn't get much of the ball. You know, um, unless they're playing on the counter, they don't really touch the ball until the final third. So I don't think that would necessarily suit my game unless I played for a team that was like maybe like Palace, who counter very quickly, get numbers forward very quickly and get the ball forward quickly. The modern game is more about possession orientated teams that keep the ball and pass and find openings. So in the final third, I think I've got the craft to find those openings and find those spots. But you know, for, for large periods of time, you don't touch the ball. And for me, it, it's all about being involved in the build-up and, and everything else. So 4-4-2 would be really my preference at the end of the day. Excellent. So we'll jump in. Goalkeepers. So give us what will happen is those people who haven't listened before, Paul's going to give us some clues. And if you're in the car, on the train, wherever you may be, try and see if you can guess it before myself and Marvin. Over to you, Paul. Right. So... Um, I struggled with most of the positions in terms of when you ask the question, um, your best 11. I think I've got two or three players that I think would admirably fit in at any given, any given position. But the guy that I've gone for um, is a former England international. And that's the clue that I will give you. Did he also play for Rangers? He played for Rangers. Andrew, do you know who he is? Was he at Sheffield Wednesday? He definitely was. That was probably the latter part of his career. Yes. Marvin? Chris Woods. 100% bang on, Chris Woods. The bon blonde bombshell. Excellent, excellent. So, Chrissy Woods, you play, what, when you say the back end of his career, do you think for a keeper that makes a difference? Um. It definitely does. I think the experience that goalkeepers get over a period of time definitely enables them to be better communicators, understanding of the game. And as long as they keep themselves in good shape, you know, I think that they have a lot of longevity more so than maybe some of the other positions. But in, in reality, you know, I think he went on to play uh, Reading and then he went over to America, to Colorado Rapids for a short while. Um but I'd say that was probably the last team of any notoriety that he played for was Sheffield Wednesday. I was fortunate to um, be there when uh, Trevor Francis bought him and Kevin Pressman was a goalkeeper at the time. And he was young, um, very good goalkeeper. But when you saw the likes of Woodsy, who, you know, played at the highest level, you know, played for one of the best teams in Europe in, in Rangers, um, had a great career at, 
Norwich, QPR and, and Forest, when you look at his calibre and how he played and how he commanded the 18-yard box, you know, there was a vast difference between him and Prezi. So um, there's definitely an advantage to an older goalkeeper who looks after himself. Marv, did you prefer the older or the younger? Or was that the, I know you coach, coach youth players, so you might have a bit of a preference to the young, bringing them through, but... I mean, I played with a lot of younger goalkeepers in my career at Luton because of, I mean, that was what Luton was, um, basically an, an opportunity for players um, who probably would get an opportunity earlier than um, they would do normally because of the, obviously the, how small the club was. So, I mean, Kelvin Davis is, is a goalkeeper. I mean, springs to mind. We had um, another one um, in Jürgen, even though he's from America. Jürgen was quite young. He had, um, Andy Patterson, who is was, 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 was an Aussie. Um, so there was loads of goalkeepers. I mean, in answer to your question, I feel that as they get older, I mean, they become more experienced and more probably um, consistent. But like any um, of the goalkeepers I played with, especially Kelvin Davis, I mean, who got in at a very young, young age, he went on to have a fantastic career um, representing England at I think under 21s, under 19s and stuff and playing for Sunderland, um, Southampton. So, yeah, I mean, it, it works in, in both in both ways, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So we're going to go move on to defence. Which side do you want to go start off with, Paul? I'll start with my number two. Right back we go. Right back. Yeah, my right back um, is one who can get forward, defends very well and also is an international I'm not going to give you the country, but I'm going to say he's an international. Uh, um, are you just going? For, are you going to go for a guess, Andrew? I can see your. I can. I can feel your brain. Like I can hear it. Actually, you got. You've got something. Go on, say it. No, I don't want to go too curveball. Okay, did you play with this player at Sheffield Wednesday? I did. Is he Scandinavian? He definitely is. Yeah, he definitely is. I think you're on the right trail. Yes, go on, Andrew. <laughs> is it Mr. Nielsen? N- Nielsen. Correct. Roland Nielsen. Roland Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. A tremendous fullback, a tremendous professional. Um, you know, he he's a credit to the game. He, he was a great player defensively, um, could get forward. You know, he was... Uh, he was probably the role model as a um, professional soccer player. Had not only a great career playing-wise, but hasn't done too bad in the managerial circuit as well. Yeah. So he came in. Did he change a lot? Um, when you said he was the kind of the archetype professional, there's always the conversations about Italian players coming in to, to play the, to, to the Premier League in the early 90s. Did Nielsen come in and w- what was he doing different? to what you'd grown up with at, um, say, Charlton? So I think the Europe, the Europeans or the Scandinavians, I'll say, they have a different approach to fitness and how they look after themselves. Um, more forward thinking in terms of the science that we, that the games involved in it evolved around now. You know, um, he warmed up really well. He made sure that he had a cool down. He didn't drink alcohol particularly he you know during the off days he would he would do some kind of training he would go in and do the weights you know his diet was quite particular so he was quite fastidious in how he prepared and and his approach to the game which um i think the game has kind of gone in that sort of general direction 
Um, but he was just a great professional player that if you wanted to point out to, you know, like a, an apprentice, there's a guy you need to role model yourself off of. He would be, he would have definitely been that type of player. He, he was um, willing to help anybody, talk to people, um, talk to the young kids. You know, he was, he was just a great person to be around. Again, he had... He, he'd come and he, he could speak English, but his English wasn't totally fluid. So there were times where he would say things that were quite <laughs> unusual. Um, but for the most part, you know, he was he was a great person to have around the dressing room. Is he, is he, was he, is it Swedish, Sweden? Swedish, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've was... been, exactly what Willow's saying. I mean, echo exactly what he's talking about with the, um, how professional they are. We had, um, a player from Denmark, um, Elstrup, Lars Elstrup. He was very oh, yeah. similar um, striker, left-footed, fast, quick, strong, but um, similar. Didn't really um, drink alcohol. Well, by the time he left, he did. I mean, it was a case where, like, um, it was, like, introducing him to that sort of stuff, but, like, a real, like, top, top bloke who, like, I think won the European Championship with um, Denmark um, yep. in that year. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting how sports science and stuff changes and, and goes that way. So, left back, over to you, Paul. By the way, if um, you do want to chuck any honourable mentions, yeah, if you I want, will in case do, you don't but... want to annoy people. No, uh, and, he, and he doesn't want to give us any clues by saying, to, and we can write them off straight away. I think he's quite smart in working that out. Right. So, again, this player played for England 21s. Didn't quite make it to the national team. Um, for me, a, a great player um, in possession. More of an attacking-minded, left-sided player. Um, again, the, the teams that I like have to have an element of flair. And the balance of the left-backs that I kind of looked at, I just felt that he gave me a lot more options with mobility getting forward and being able to get back. Did he move to Benfica? Spot on. He did. Marvin, you on the same track? Yeah, but I can't remember his name. He was at Charlton. He went to Chelsea, I think. He did. No, the, 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 um, was he not a Charlton staff with? He yeah. started his career at Charlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Scott Minto. Minto. That's it. Yes. Yeah, Scott great Minto. player. Um, knew him when he was in the youth team. Um, you could always see that he had, again, he was a natural left-footed player and they have a, an air of culture about them and difference. His technique was really silky. Um, he was calm. He was very composed on the ball. He he was a, again a, a great athlete, being able to get up and down the field. Um, and and in all honesty, I would say my own personal opinion, and you know, you may agree or disagree. I think he really underachieved in comparison to his talent level. Um, I think he was a very very talented player that could have and should have maybe gone on to play for his country, particularly as. On the left-hand side of, of the field, you know, if you're left-footed and you're halfway decent, you can probably get a few caps. And um, I just think he was probably maybe underrated or maybe underachieved. That's interesting. Do you think a lot of players do that? And why do you reckon, why do you reckon in, in Scott Minto's case that was the case? Um, in, in his case, I think the mere fact that he left to go to Benfica, I think sometimes... When you're out of sight, you're out of mind. He, he had a great start in terms of 
he got into the, the Charlton team, was a regular, then moved to um, to Chelsea, had a great move to Chelsea again, a big, big club, um, did well. You know, he, he played over 50-odd games for them, scored a few goals, um, and then got a big move to Benfica and was there a couple of years. And I just feel that in his prime, he, he, if he would have stayed here or maybe got gone to somewhere like Arsenal, I think he would have got a little bit more recognition. I think now that we have so much soccer on TV, you know, whether you're playing in Italy, Spain or France, it's it's readily available. But I think yeah. back in the day when, you know, there wasn't as many games televised, I think once you're out of the country, unless you're a, a striker scoring goals, people tend to forget about you, I would say. Even then they do. People don't even mention yeah. Tammy Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Again, he's a, a classic case of that. Um, but, you know, Minto came back, he played for West Ham. Um, and then from there, you know, I think he went to Rotherham at the end of his term with West Ham. Um, did well at West Ham, but again, West Ham's my my club of choice. That's a club I supported as a kid. Um, probably not the club that is going to highlight the career of many players at the latter stages of their careers. Um, you know, but he, he did great at, at West Ham. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to ask you about transfers because um, you're talking about transfers just then. So I was reading up and, and please forgive me if if um, I'm wrong in this. Your transfer from uh, Wednesday to Palace was a swap deal with Mark Bright. Is that right? Yes, it was. How Just out of interest as a non-footballer myself, and I'm sure fans are wondering, how does that work? Because it's so rare you have straight trades and straight swaps. Do both players have to be on board? Is it, um, how do the clubs agree it? Or, I mean, how does the whole thing work? Is it, it, it seems to me quite strange that they don't just go cash, cash. Well, um, again, I can only talk for the case of myself. I think, yeah. like anything, a trade, a, a straight trade is someone valued at the same value, two items valued at the same, and a straight trade. In our case, I wanted to leave and come back to, to London. Um, I was in Sheffield. I, I didn't particularly see eye to eye with Trevor Francis. I felt that I needed a move back to to London. Um, I, I had roots in South London, which wasn't too far from where Palace played. Um, a couple of weeks prior to that, we played at Palace and I scored a goal. So I'm sure that, you know, there was a bit of interest there. And then the two teams collaborated and managers must have spoke and agreed that... Um, there would be a fair trade in, in no money and one would go one way and another would go another way. Um, I, I did speak to, um, I did speak to the Steve Coppel at the time and said, you know, is everything sorted and was he happy at, at what he was doing? And he, he seemed to be okay. I spoke to Brighty. Uh, I knew Brighty for, you know, quite sometimes prior to the, to the meet, um, to the, to the deal. And he was happy at going up to Sheffield. So it was kind of like everyone was happy. Yeah. Now, it's always intrigued me because it, it, it's it's something which very, very, very rarely happens. I suppose that's just because the players don't don't match in, in cost as much these days. Yeah. And, and I would say that the reason, the re there's got to be a reason why two players of the same value, let's call it the same value, would want to be traded. You know, I wanted to go south and I'm sure that Brighty, wanted to go north you know I think he'd served his time at Palace 
Um, and the opportunity for him was to go to an emerging um, power, because I think at Wednesday were definitely on the upswing. Um, and I'd fallen out of favour with with uh, Trevor. So it was a great opportunity for him. And, you know, so it, it just worked out. I don't think in the modern game that there's going to be too many trades of that sort of nature where it works for all parties. But it, it, in my instance, it, it, it definitely worked. And uh, we ended up going um, in different directions. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll move on to your centre-backs, yeah. where Shiver won, if you want to go... Five, six. So, can I give an, uh, two honorary mem- uh, mentions, please, for yes. my left back yes. position? So, uh, the two players that I had in mind um, was Phil King, um, a, a great left back. Um, you know, steady Eddie. You know, isn't going to set the world alight, but it's definitely a good defender, good at getting forward. But I just felt that Minto was a probably a better all round player. And then the other player was Nigel Worthington. Uh, Worthy had the experience um, you know he's played at the highest level managed at the highest level and have lots of admiration for him but in, in my mind the youthfulness of, of, of Minto and his ability to get forward and his trickery when he was in the uh, the final third you know he was very creative in the final third so that's where you know that's why he picked Kingy and, and Worthy You want him to whip balls in for you don't you? Yeah, wanting to, yeah. And I, I like players getting forward quickly. I, I like I like players with mobility, you know, that can counter attack and you get numbers up in the final third and, and they have the capacity to get back. So um I would I'd equally say that Kingy and, and Worthy weren't the most mobile players. They had the knack of understanding the the outer angle players and, and take them away from goal. But in terms of a straight foot race, I think Minto would have beaten them and his speed again would be an added advantage. Definitely. So centre back. So, centre back. Again, another international went on to management, um, commanding player. Um, a- again, another, it's ironic that, most of the players I've gone for <laughs> were always uh, admired by the ladies. Um, and this man was <laughs> equal to that. So and was he was he um Welsh? He was. Oh uh, yeah, you gone for it. Or should I say he is well. Yes, yeah. And he managed the Welsh national team. He definitely did. He managed them for a few years. Did pretty well there and had a bit of a, a stumble. You know, his management path at Sunderland. Um, yes. Chris Coleman. It was, it was Cookie. Cookie. Chris yeah. Coleman. Cookie. Chris Coleman. Yep. Cookie. Yes, Chris yep. Coleman. That's it. Yeah. My brain went froze then because I keep thinking Cookie, Cookie, but what's his real name? Because like, <laughs> yeah. Just... And it's so funny because all the players that I know, most of them have a nickname. And my first instinct was nicknames and then I'm like okay I've got to remember their first names and their last names not yeah. not the nicknames that we you know we know them as yeah um but yeah why cookie Chris, why, cookie is in cookie is in the, the biscuit yeah why yeah do I do you know something I probably did know back in the day but I couldn't tell you now <laughs> why um they're the best I, nicknames though the ones that have got about well, was, seven it, backline stories yeah there's know, always a story well, I mean, behind Go on, Go I was going to say, you'd know more. I mean, I didn't play with him, but I, I had a couple, I thought it um, to do with the, is it the Cookie Monster? The Cookie Monster. Hair. And that's what, I, like the, yep. And 
And that's what I was going to say. It was to do with the Cookie Monster, but I can't remember exactly the story behind it. But it's to do with Cookie Monster back in the the nineties. That was like uh, it was a thing. So everyone called him Cookie. I I knew him as Cookie. Yeah. <laughs> he actually went on to get an OBE, which is in the game of soccer. I mean, that's that's fantastic to get an OBE. Yeah, well, he did really well with Wales, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He he definitely did. You know, and as a the the team I've gone for. All the players, apart from, again, the further further forward we get, the players are a little bit more um, individual. But again, another good role model, a solid professional, um, very commanding, would would talk throughout the whole game, definitely captain teams. And, you know, the mere fact that he went on to management is definitely no surprise. You know, he... Um, had all the qualities and has all the qualities of of a leader, which is something that I have a lot of admiration for him. He was definitely a leader and led by example. And back in the day, um, for, for a centre centre half, he was like very comfortable with the ball, wasn't he? And he was a strong, good head, could tackle, had a presence. So he, he was like quite a good all rounder, shall we say? Even back then, well, I would say. Yeah. That anyway. Yeah, most definitely. But he he would have fitted in in today's standards. You know, back in in the nineties, defenders really just needed to be relatively mobile, not necessarily good on the ball, um, but commanding, um, having mobility and being able to get the ball and be able to pass the ball to someone. Um, he he had a, a sense of calm. Um, wasn't the most mobile, but was was quick enough. Uh, very commanding. So yeah, I think in the modern game, I think he's he would have he would have definitely fitted in in the in the modern game today. No, excellent. Excellent. So next to Chrissy Coleman, Cookie is. So um another I was I, I describe these players very similar, but in terms of stature, um the fact that they were very commanding, led by example. That's, that's those are the only clues I'm going to give you because you you guys seem to have done very well with all of the clues I've given so far. Is this a curveball? No, oh. no. Uh, so who were you thinking? And I was going to say Tony Adams. I did actually play like with B him. team. That's what I was. That's what I was getting at in terms of stature because they're similar sort kind of height. I yeah. wasn't sure if you were going a curveball. That's what I meant by that. As in England B team. Did I'm gonna this is I'm thinking now. Did did oh did he manage? Is he it, did and does is he, a, oh, it does. Yes, he's a current manager. Yeah, I can say that he's a current manager as well. He's, yes. he's he the is. biggest I assume it's the person with the biggest job in English football. I would say not. No. Oh, it's not Southgate. No, no, no. Oh, right. I was gonna say does Southgate's he, not the same. Yeah. Um is that Bristol City? Is he? Correct. Well done, young man. Oh, <laughs> Nigel, well done. Nigel, Nigel Pearson. Pearson. Nigel yeah. Pearson. <clears throat> Nigel Pearson. Um, again, I could describe him in the same vein as, as Cookie. Um, a, a very, he was, I'd probably say, actually, they were both very, very passionate in terms of, you know, they would let you know if you weren't having a good game. They would equally let you know if you were, were having a good game, but they were very, very passionate. And, you know, they would walk or run for a brick wall to defend the team, um, led by example. Two great examples of um, professional footballers. 
Um, good guys, good, great communicators, great leaders. Um, yeah, I had a lot of admiration for for Pierce. Played with him for the three years, and um, no surprise as to what he's gone on and achieved within the game. Definitely no surprise. Yeah, and it's also underestimated because wasn't he the one who kept Leicester up the season before Ranieri did his thing? Most, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Before they went on to their big, you know, Premier Division win and and whatever else, he was the one who kept them up, did really well, and then I think got let go. And um, But he really planted the foundation for that team in my mind. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and But I don't necessarily think that he ordinarily gets the credit for that because, you know, it's it's the manager at the time. But definitely the foundation was was planted by by Pierce. Excellent. Excellent. Well, when we come, we're going to have a short break. And then when we come back from our break, we will hear Marv's 60 seconds and we will hear and dig about your youth career, Paul. So, sure. We'll- catch up with you on the other side of this advert um, for Paul Williams's My Best Eleven. Welcome back to the second part of Paul Williams's My Best Eleven. So far, we have Chris Woods, Roland Nielsen, Scott Minto, Chris Coleman and Nigel Pearson. I'm going to hand straight over to Marv for Marv's 60 seconds. Marvin. Okay, well... VAR or no VAR? No VAR. Golden goal or penalty shootout? Golden goal. Pele or Maradona? Pele. Favourite other sport? Pickleball now. Tennis, back in the day. Okay. Bundesliga, La Liga or Syria for quality? Mm. Pass. All right. Fish and chips. Oh, yeah. EPL. If the other three don't really count. <laughs> Fish and chips, pie and chips, or pasta? Mm. Fish and chips. Okay. Best ground you played at? Favourite ground, West Ham, because I'm a West Ham supporter. Best ground, Highbury. Okay. Worst dress player you've come across? Chris Bart Williams. Your mate. <laughs> Best dress player? Uh, uh, Ian Wright. Mm. Team you supported as a kid? West, West Ham. Um, if you wasn't a footballer, what would you have done? So prior to football, I was doing accountancy. So I'd have probably stayed in the world of uh, numbers. Okay. Excellent. One more, Marvin. All right. Um, funniest ex-teammate or funniest player? John Sheridan or John Sheridan, John Harks, Steve, uh, David Hurst. Okay. 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 So you mentioned you would have been an accountant. Yes. Yeah. So just, so in terms of your career coming through football then, um, did you play at a young level then or did you kind of go non, I know obviously looking back at your career, you went non-league and then to Charlton. How did your path kind of happen? as a kid and then going into I, mean, I, was, I was going to answer that question as well. It's a good question. I mean, did you have trials anywhere or anything like that? Well, great question. Um, so at the age of 12, 13, I stopped playing football football for about four years. And then a friend asked me to come and play for a, a local team. 
And I sorry, just to go I, back. I, was that your choice, or you decided uh, you had enough? To be honest, the school didn't have a football team, so um, there wasn't really. We didn't have a football team, so I didn't really play. The only time I'd play is maybe um, at break at lunchtime, um, and then after school with some friends, and that that was it. There was no organised football. It was all street football. Yep. Sorry. Keep going. And then because I was one of the younger players in the uh, local community uh, uh, an older guy asked me that if I wanted to play on a, a sort of adults team he knew it was like you had to be I think you had to be uh, 16 but most of the players were like 21 22 I told him I couldn't really afford to because I was in the final years of, of school I was in the sixth form and he said look I'll buy you some boots I'll pick you up and I'll take you etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and things kind of progressed from there. So up until that point, I had no trials with anyone. Then I played for a year with that team and then decided to go and play non-league. Um, and I was probably 18, 19, and Fulham were interested and had a trial at Fulham for about three or four months um, with uh, Ray Hartford. He was the manager at the time. Um, end of the trial, they said to me that, that there wasn't going to be an opportunity, that they felt that, you know, they they had the right numbers. That led to a trial at uh, Spurs with, I think it was Ted Buxton was the, was the scout at the time. And uh, David Pleat, again, said to me, you know, um, didn't see that I would be good enough to break into uh, the reserve team. And... So I, I was working at the time and just carried on working. And I got to around about 20 and I got a call from Charlton and they said, would you come for a, a trial? And I said to them, look, I, I, I work and it'd be really difficult for me to sort of go there in, with any longevity as a trial. I'd have to take time off of work. So I said, I'd, I'd play a game for them. Um, I played against Millwall and played... I was I was a kind of a number seven at that time, wide right. Um, did really well, scored a goal. Met with Lenny Lawrence after. He said to me, you know, liked what he saw, and was prepared to offer me a two-year contract. So really, I had a sort of fairy tale entrance into the professional game, pretty similar to Ian Ian Wright's. Um, you know, at, at, at most players at 20 don't get a sniff at the opportunity of playing professionally. So I was very fortunate and, and very lucky to get into the game at a late stage. Um, some of that I feel was beneficial and some of that was definitely detrimental in the long run. But, I mean, Willow, a, I mean, it's a great like story. What division were Charlton in then? They were in the first division. Wow, I mean, so that's like I was. I mean, in it again, twenty-year-old, like like going to yeah. like a Premiership club. I mean, it's like yeah, unreal, uh, again, it? yeah. It, it was for me. It was amazing. You know, one day I was in an office um, doing a, a regular nine-to-five. Um, the next day I was playing at Tottenham with with David Pleat watching uh, a Premier Division or First Division manager watching, and then I'm, I'm talking to him. And then I'm back to work again. And then two weeks later, I'm talking to Lenny Lawrence, who's the manager of a first division club. And he's he's sitting there wanting to talk to me. It was it was kind of almost un unbelievable, almost surreal. Um, you know, all along as a as a kid, pretty much 
like most kids, I had aspired to play professional football and had the inner belief, but just never really got the opportunity um, and didn't really know how to go about it, to be honest. Um, I was uh, somewhat naive, just thinking that someone would watch me one day and, and pick me out of a crowd. But we all know that the game isn't really like that. But at, at the tender age of you know 12 and up to 15, maybe 16, that's how I thought it would happen. Oh, that's, that's, that's incredible. And you were still doing your day job um, yeah. all yeah. that time. And so at what stage did you, and um, what was the satisfying feeling when you went, I resign, give me my P45? Was it a bit satisfying <laughs> going, I'm going pro? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's funny. There was no secret in the office that I had aspirations. You know, everybody in the office knew that um, I had aspirations of be, being a pro. I don't think many people realised that I could realize those aspirations. So my managers always were, were, were cool because uh, I told them during the course of when I, any interview interview I went to, I said, you know, I play semi-pro, um, I'm hoping to go pro. So I'm seeing this as a opportunity to, to further my career um, and being able to enable me to go and play professionally. You know, I got to put food on the table and pay my rent. Um, so it, it was a bittersweet pill because although I, I was really excited about going pro, you know, I enjoyed the people I worked with and they were, were good people. But, you know, um, by the same token, playing professionally was, you know, the biggest thing for me. And, and ironically, when I made it pro, um, I thought I was a good player. Now, I tell people this all the time. I thought I was good enough to, to, you know, maybe get in the first team. It's only when you start playing and training with pros on a regular basis that you really see the gulf between uh, an amateur player or uh, semi-pro between a pro. And I'm talking about me training with the reserves. You know, I could see that in a short period of time that their first touch was, was good, their movement was good, their general ability was far better than 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 mine, um, and and their speed. Everyone was not as quick as me, but everyone was quick. So, just those those subtle differences make a big big difference at the end of the day. Yeah, and did you ever get a chance to to go for go to West Ham, your your boyhood club? Your obviously you were born around Stratford, weren't you? Yeah, uh, regrettably no. Um, I think if there's any regret I have in the game um, that I look back on, it would be that I never wore a claret and blue shirt. Um, you know, it's a childhood team. I still watch them. I watched them this morning against Crystal Palace. Um, I still sad when they lose. I'm happy when they win. So, I, but I never had the opportunity. And um, I, I often used to say that if, if West Ham came in for me and said that you wouldn't get paid, I, I would have probably played for them. <laughs> Marvin, would you have done the same for Liverpool? Hundred <laughs> percent. Would, would yes, you have paid? Would, would both of you have paid them? Because most fans would pay their club to play for them for once, um, just to put the shirt on once. Uh, oh yeah, definitely once. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm not too sure my. Oh, not career-wise, but just once. <laughs> yeah, without. Yeah, I would most definitely. I mean, it's ironic that every time I played at West Ham. Almost every single game I managed to score against them, which um, there's something special in in that fact that I, I managed to be successful against them. So, yeah, I would have definitely paid them good money to, to have put that claret and blue shirt on. I've, I've got three of them in the cupboard now. So just to pay them would have been a breeze. Did you do one of those silly goal celebrations where they go, no, I'm not celebrating. 
I'm not celebrating. This is the club. I love. No, no, no. I, I celebrated. <laughs> I knew that most of the supporters in there would have been kids I went to school with. So for, for me, it was like saying, you know what? I told you I'd be a pro and now I am a pro. So um, it, it was really gratifying because it was an opportunity for, you know, my friends and my family. You know, my mum had never seen me play up until the age of maybe 22, 23. She hadn't really seen much of me playing at all. You know, she knew that I could play, but um, to have your family and 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 stuff in the the, the crowd watching you play, um, it was really gratifying. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll get back to your best eleven. Yeah. Um, where would you like to start, Paul? Right, left, middle. Uh, we'll go in the middle. Um, so I've gone for two central players that I feel would have fed each other, and I'm going to give an honourable mention at some point during the course of this. Um, so I'll go for one of the midfield players. Um, silky skills, not the most mobile player in the world, but give him the ball and he is the most crea- one of the most creative players I feel that I've ever played with. I'm going to go England route again. England? And go Matt Letizia. No. <sighs> no. Matt... Yeah, I think Matt would definitely... What that's I a describe, description of Matt Letizia, surely. That's yeah, like the perfect with description. With skills, not mobile. Yeah, that is, that's, not, that's a good game. That, yeah, that's I was going to say, come to think of it, he definitely meets that that side of thing. But I would I would say that Matt is more, for me, a number 10. Yeah. Just behind the, 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 the strikers, you know, finding that little pocket where he can pick up the ball turn and, and do his magic. This This player is more of a... An out and out midfield player. Um, the, the mobile bit does me because I mean, have you mentioned him already? Like, I have not. Sp- okay, I have not. No. I think this, this could be the this could be the one that he could do us on then. No, know, unless you've got some, Andrew. Carlton Palmer. He's no. mobile. He's I'm mobile not- though to me. CP's mobile. CP gets up and down the field. He, yeah, he missed, that's what I, mean. I mean, he's missed the mobility. He's, see, I see him as, 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 as somebody who can get up and down, but I don't see him as very agile. Maybe I've got agile in my head. Yeah. Maybe agile yeah. and mobile. Yeah. Okay. De- definitely CP isn't agile. He, he's quite gangly, but his mobility to get up and down the field is is second to none. I mean, he had a, an engine on him that you, you would have any day in the week. Uh, but this guy... Lacks was mobility. he a fighter? Does... Was he more one of these get stuck Lacks in ability? No. Lacks... But did he did he did he um play internationally? Did he play internationally? He definitely did. Did you play with him internationally? I did not. Did you play with this player at Palace? No. No, it's not my one out then. Okay. Charlton. No. <laughs> I'll give just... you. I'll give you one it's more. It's not Robley then. Yeah. No. Um, someone had him on their best eleven previously, who I played with. Oh, oh! Is he been on? Did he? Did he? Has he been a guest? Maybe. No. Yes, he has. Maybe. Go on, Andrew. You got it. Danny Wilson. No, not not Willow. But he's been a guest. It's got so you have a person who I know you play. This mid this midfielder has been a guest on our podcast. I don't think he's been a guest. I think oh, that, right. Oh, that right. Okay. Right. Did he? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> so my but other someone, guest, my someone, other one of your guests has had him in their top eleven. 
Right. Did it? Did this player? I'm talking about the player now who you've picked. Did he play for Newcastle? No. You're not talking about Robert Lee. You're not talking about Lurker. No, I was trying to ask him about. I thought I don't know if he, when he, well, he was a bit too early for you. Chris Waddle, I was thinking of. No. And the, then the guest I was thinking about was Bartman, Chris Bart Williams. Yeah, it was, it was Bart. Oh my gosh. That's why I, I, who was he having his midfield then? Did it Chris Bart? Not mobile. Did this player play for Leeds as well? No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Chris Bart. No, he didn't. Was he, he didn't a, play- um, was he a manager? Was he a manager as well? He was. Oh. Come on, guys. Come on. He's not going to do us, is he? Surely. He's a manager as well. Is he Northern Irish? Close. You're getting closer. Northern Irish. So he's Irish then? No, I thought... Yeah. Does he... Does, no. Does he have a brother who played as well professionally? He did. I thought you said... I, I said, did you mention him? I thought you've mentioned him already. John Sheridan. John Sheridan, Sherry. You met, yeah, yeah. I thought you, you didn't. Met, I, I thought you mentioned. That's why I said, did you mention him? I thought John Sheridan. Oh, was sorry, Shez. John Sheridan. Yeah. John Sheridan. Um, yeah. One of the best players with the ball at his feet. One of the best players, I would say. Um, creative, um, skill, vision. He sees the game ahead of time. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a great. Great player. Um, lots and lots of flair. Yeah. Lots of admiration for, for Chess. I mean, he, I, I would say that I had a successful time at Wednesday. And part of it was his vision and ability to see where I needed to be. He told me where I needed to be by playing the balls into areas that told me that's where you need to be. You know, if there's anyone who I would say that elevated my game and elevated my soccer knowledge, he was definitely one of those players. Um, he could play to feet, but he would play balls into areas um, and almost guide you into those areas. And training with him week in and week out or day in and day out, you know, you, I learned so much from him and and the timing of movement to the to in the end, just, just I knew where he was going to play the ball. It just... He was phenomenal. His, his ability was, um, yeah, different gravy. Absolutely. Oh, interesting. So we've got, finally got there, Marvin. We finally yeah, got we there. Got there. Yeah, finally. Well, alongside, um, alongside him. Who's it yes. going to be alongside, I mean, alongside I'm asking, him? I'm asking that. No, I'm asking that next to him with trepidation. Oh. <laughs> alongside him was someone I think <clears throat> would compliment him really well. Um, good passer of the ball. Good up and down player. Um, I would call him more than a steady Eddie, but definitely a steady Eddie, a good steady player, good professional, good leader, um, but not with the same level of flair. Definitely has a good range of passing in terms of 20-yard, 30-yard passing, but definitely not the same flair as John Sheridan, but would compliment him no end. Would or did? Would. Right. So but didn't play at Sheffield Wednesday? No. Definitely not. Did this player play for England? He did. I, I'm, I'm, oh my god! No way. Did you play with Matt Palace? I did. Wow. Am I going to go for that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it then. I'm going to guess Jeff Thomas. No, no, Ooh. not Tomo. The Palace. I can't think of many Palace players in the night. Did he? Did he manage? He definitely did, and definitely does. 
Andrew. Oh, throw me under the bus. No. I mean, is it... <laughs> yeah, go on, Andrew, man. over to you to have a guess. No, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm not talking about a guess, but I mean... And reverse, Marvin. Don't just throw him under the bus. Reverse as well. No, I was going to say, I, I, when I meant Andrew, I meant Andrew mentioned him earlier on. That's what I meant. Andrew, Andrew mentioned him earlier on. He did. Southgate. Darren Southgate. Gareth Southgate. Gareth, sorry. Gareth Southgate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Southgate. That's why I meant, I didn't mean to throw him over there. And oh, right, Andrew. okay. You mentioned him yeah. earlier on. As in, yeah. uh, yes, Gareth Southgate. Yeah, A- another good, good professional. Very, very professional. Um, was at Palace when he kind of broke into the team. And it's, it's funny, the manager said to, said to me, Alan Smith said, or said to the team, really, you know, this kid's going to go on and do something with himself. And at the time, I kind of looked and thought, yeah, he, he's good, but I don't, I don't really see it because he's not, he's not a flair type of player. Um, but he was steady, Eddie. He, he had great feet, worked hard, um, great range of passes, um, could score goals, could get on the end of things. You know, he he was a, a a great player, and I think him and him and Shez in midfield. I think his work rate would help would help Shez in midfield. And again, he's gone on to captain um, to manage England. Played for his national team. I think he played over maybe like 57, 60 times for his country. So again, definitely a player who's a world class player. I wouldn't say he's a flared world class player that you'd go. You know, like the honorary mention I'm going to give us to Paul Gascoigne. You know, um, but definitely a player that I feel would be one of the best 11 in, in my team. Yeah, well, he did very well. Well, I say very well for England. He missed the penalty. But um, well, he played in Euro... <laughs> we won't well, mention he, that. What I meant was, no, what I meant was he played in Euro 96. So he played it up until his management, one of the biggest yeah. or best England have done in, in well, since 66. So he he's shown that he's a very good player. It's interesting you put him in centre mid because I always remember him growing up as a centre-back, not as a centre-mid. But he started as a centre-mid, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember him more as a centre-back. Yeah, Yeah. I think he migrated there because of, maybe because of mobility. Um, As as you get older, you kind of work your way back. But in his early days, he was definitely a central midfield player. And my memories of him the most was as a Crystal Palace midfield player and maybe playing for England a a little bit. Um, Definitely a, a player that could get up and down um skillful in 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 terms of had a range of passes um not the same flair as Shez, but definitely one that I feel would complement Shez and have a lot more involvement in the the heavy lifting of the game so I don't think that's Shez's game Shez needs people around him he had Carlton Palmer around him who would do the heavy lifting and you know the the idea Ron would say to to Carlton is get the ball and give it to Shez that's all he would say. Get the ball, give it to Shez. Let Shez do everything else. And you get the ball and give it to him. So um, I don't see uh, Gareth in the same way, but definitely, you know, he would have complimented Shez no end. Yeah. No, interesting. Um, you, when you're um, Wednesday, you, oh, you could say arguably, uh, got the highest um, kind of team accolade in your career winning the League Cup. Um yes. What um what was that like as a moment? Obviously, stepping or well, playing at Wembley first of all, um, boyhood dream moment, um, and then winning that. What was that like as a as a moment? And 
would you say that is the greatest moment in your career? Yeah, I would say that was the pinnacle of my career. Um, you know, for me, there are certain things that growing up you visualise and, and say, I'd love to play there one day. Wembley being one of those places, um, you know, England won the 66 World Cup and every FA Cup and League Cup final was played there. And as a kid, you'd watch those religiously and think, God, I couldn't imagine playing in front of 100,000 people uh, and it being televised. So for me, that that was the real pinnacle of, of my career. Um, and, and again, we was probably playing one of the most successful teams of, of all time in Manchester United, which added a, a different perspective to, to the occasion. Um, and ironically, despite us being, we was in the championship at that point and they were a high-flying first division team. Um, at no point during the lead-up, the build-up, the game, did I ever contemplate not winning? And I've spoken to almost everybody on that team that was on that squad. And we all conclude the same thing. None of us ever thought about, I wonder what it's like if we lose, you know, and, and I don't know whether that's normal, but we were definitely the underdogs. But I think the only place we were the underdogs was everywhere else other than in Sheffield. Everybody in Sheffield believed that we was going to win. And it, it's quite uncanny because, um, it's just a, a feeling that we had. We just, we just knew that we was going to be successful, and I, I put that all down to the management of of Ron Atkinson. I just think he was a great man manager and people manager, and had a, a knack of uh, pulling off some spectacular wins and and stuff like that. With just how he, um, how he impacted his teams. Well, he had the inside track as well, didn't he? <laughs> He definitely did. Because he'd been there a few years earlier. Yeah. So he's obviously familiar with it. And and he'd done a fantastic job. I think for most of us, 90% of the team, we hadn't played at Wembley before. You know, the likes of uh, Trevor Francis had played at Wembley and maybe a few other players had played. Maybe Danny might have played at Wembley. But most of us hadn't played at Wembley before, played in a big final. And just, just even in our preparation, you know, we went to Hyde Park the day be- two days before we played in Hyde Park and had some fun on the trip to um on the trip to the stadium we had a comedian come on the, the coach and and started giving us jokes and you know so the the whole journey from our hotel to Wembley we had a comedian that made us feel really at ease so his preparation was was really methodical in terms of what can I do to not get these guys, this group of guys that, who are underdogs, what can I get them to do? How can I get them in a frame of mind that they're not worried and that they're really positive? Um, you know, he, he was a master tactician, I would say. Oh, incredible. And, well, congratulations on, on winning that winning that accolade. Um, would you say as a player, and this is maybe this is to you as well, Marv. Would you say the one-off trophy, or the the promotion, or championship winning, whichever way you want to put it, which one is seen as a higher kind of achievement? Is it the cup? Because it's a one-off, it's knockout. You've got to be cutthroat, or is it the attrition? We've flogged our guts out through no, through November, December, January to win the title or to go get promoted. Which one, as a player, would you prefer? I mean, I mean, I, I'm not one. Um, a cup tournament. So, I mean, it's, I mean, but growing up, like Willow says, I think the biggest thing for any kid was to like play in the FA Cup final. I mean, I used to play in a game like, like as a kid in, on the streets 
what we, we called Wembley. So obviously, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> same same game, yeah. Knockout, and then you get to that. You call it's called Wembley. You, the last two people, the last two pairs in the final, uh, win the final, and it's like and you, you've won Wembley, sort of thing. So I think that the cup final is the biggest thing. Um, most people, I mean, the the league, I mean, is a is a great and fantastic. Um, thing to win because it shows that you've been consistent for the whole of like the season and the 38 games what it is now or whatever it was back then 46 games it it takes a um a momentum amount of like togetherness to win that but i feel that the the cup final would be something which i would have loved to like one to play in and turn two to win because it's like the thing you think of as a kid growing up yeah yourself paul yeah I would echo those sentiments. I was fortunate to play in the, the League Cup final and then got promotion with Wednesday, um, which, again, was a big accolade. And then for Palace, we, I think, won the, the championship and went then to the Premier Division. So, But I would definitely say that that League Cup final um, has, a, has, a, has a definite presence when it's that one game, win, lose or draw, someone's going to come away victorious. Um, there's something gratifying when you win a league or you get promotion. There's definitely something gratifying. But for me, that knockout trophy is is something special because you meet lots of different teams along the way. Um, the mere fact that you have Premier Division teams and First Division or Championship teams playing in the same tournament is is something special. Yeah. I agree. Interesting. So we'll, we'll go right, go back to your team, right or left. Which one do you want to go to, Paul? So I've gone for, a, I'll go for the number seven. Um, this player um, is, in, in my mind, a, again, a very skillful player, can play either side um, and scares or would scare any left or right back that they play against. I've only got three wingers in my head. You have? I've got three wingers in my head. Let's go. Is he an international? Is he an international? Yes, most definitely. And you, of your three, are they all internationals as well then? No, that stuffs it all up. It was the clear-cut way Paul said, yeah, definitely an international kind of... Uh, they might have got about half a dozen caps, but definitely not, no, international. No, this this is this is a world, in my mind, probably not world-class, but definitely a fantastic international for his country. I'm just going to go out there. Gaza. Go on. Mm, no, no. He got an honorary mention in the I midfield. Did, yeah. oh, no, I just didn't know. I'm yeah. clutching at straws because... Are they a winger or a midfielder? What would you say they're more? I say they have the versatility, but I would definitely say they were recognised as a wide player. Because can play on either got. can play on either flank. I know that's a big clue. That is, by the way, he can play on either flank. The only other people I've got is Mickey Thomas. Okay, that's a no. Andy Sinton. Ah, oh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout, but but no. he's more of a left. But he's playing both. It's not. But it's not. Yeah, him. And he's not. And that's what I mean. It was the international thing. And the only other one got John Salako. They're the only other. No, it's not Sally. Um, so this player was bought for a thousand dollars. Sorry, I'm oh, going to go back. John thousand pounds. Oh, John Hawks. 
No, a thousand pounds. Well, you said dollars. Yeah, no, that that was a faux pas. A thousand pounds. In 1980, he was bought for a thousand pounds. Oh, are you sure Paul didn't play with Waddle? No, that's too that's too early. Was it him? You are right. It was Chris Waddle. Yeah, Waddle. It was Waddler. Yeah, he was at the age of 19. He was bought for a thousand pounds, and I I tell you what. That was the best business that anyone ever done, getting that phenomenal. I mean, he was just a different class player. I mean, I played with him in the latter stages of, of his career, um, and he was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. He, he could drop a shoulder, and you knew it was coming, Yeah, but you just couldn't stop him. He just... It's, it's just so uncanny that, as I said, left-footed players to me just have this grace about them and ability about them. And he was one of those who, not the most mobile player. He wasn't slow by any account, but he could drop his shoulder, jink in and jink out and uh, phenomenal player. Great left foot, could use his right foot as well, but and, and vision, great vision. He, he could cut inside and, you know, play a diagonal ball 40 yards and it would land literally in front of him. Sensational, and you played with him at obviously Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I was. I played with him for the year that I was there, um, just before leaving. Um, and again, when you when you play with when you see those players on TV, and you see how great they are on te- television, and you think that's a great player, then when you actually play with them and train with them week in and week out, or day in and day out, you realise just what it takes to be a great player and the, and the level of consistency that they have, which is probably the most important thing, the level of consistency that he had. And, you know, I, I reflected on something that Bart Williams said, that he was a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. You know, he would push himself and push players. He would get agitated by inconsistencies with players. If he played the ball into you and it bounced away, you know, he would get frustrated, you know, just because he demanded such great excellence out of everybody, more importantly himself. But, you know, once you got on the field, he was just a real perfectionist at what he did and um, a, a great example of a professional soccer player. Ah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. So the other, <laughs> I'm laughing, the other side. <laughs> the other side is, is. Uh, I think I think you're going to struggle with this one. Really? He's oh, not, I like this. Go on. He's not. He wouldn't be someone's first choice in, in for most did, for, for the most part. Did you play he's, with him? At, did you play with him at Charlton? I did. Come on, Mark. I've got this. Um, I've got this. But I tell you something. Um, having played with lots of different players, pound for pound and skill for skill. He, for me, is one of the best players I've played with, but like Minto, didn't get the recognition, and there's specific reasons why, but didn't get the recognition that I would say that he deserved. That's thrown you, Marv, isn't it? No, because, I mean, I remember, I mean, I know he's a, this, this player I'm thinking of as like a real tricky dribbler, wasn't very big, but like, could twist and turn, could put a good ball in, could play on both wings, would you say? Yeah, I think you got Marv, I think you got it, but we'll see. Marvin, I've got no idea. I want to say John Robinson. No, not Robbo. Oh, is it the other one then? 
Robbo played for his country. He played for Wales. This 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 person played for his country, but didn't make it to full international. Played twenty um, ones, England twenty ones uh, in Toulon. Him and I played together at Toulon in Toulon for England under twenty ones. Did he but also never got a full cap? Him? Never got a full cap. He played for as well. Oh my gosh, who did he else did he play? He played for. No, he didn't. He no, Chelsea. Probably, he didn't play with Chelsea. No idea. He played with Chelsea. So this player I played with, I, I, I seem to follow him. When I had my trial at Fulham, he was an apprentice there. When I got to Charlton, he was there. At Crystal Palace, he was there. When I went back to Charlton, he was also there. Oh. Oh. You've, I think, did you mention him, Andrew? Um, Palace. Charlton, did Andrew mention him? Um, Mortimer, Paul Mortimer. I heard you got. Mm, yep, yeah, you got it, Paul Mortimer. Paul Mortimer. Good job, yes. Marvin. Yeah, Paul Mortimer. I, I tell you something. Um, that boy has did have more skill in his left foot than most players. Unfortunately, um, suffered a lot of injuries. Um, he used to literally we call him sick note. Um, always injured, or he had mainly problems with his hamstrings. But I tell you what, he was a phenomenal, absolute phenomenal player. Um, again, a, a very close friend, having played with him at numerous places, um, full of admiration for him. And I just feel that if anything, didn't achieve what he could have achieved because of injuries. And if he was a player out today, he would probably be earning millions today by the standards of the players. A, a great a great first touch, fantastic vision, uh, very tricky on the ball, could ghost past players. I mean, pretty similar to Wads, I would say. Um, different type of player, but similar to Wads, um, on the ball was was absolutely fantastic. But more often than not, you know, he had he, he was always injured. So um, didn't really achieve the accolades that he really deserved, to be honest. Nah, it's well, so often the case. So often the case injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. So we'll move to your strike force. Two people up front. Are we going big man, little man? Are we going? What, We're going we I would say we'd, I'd say they're pretty similar in stature. Um, different types of players. Uh, again, if you notice, my my attacking players all have individual skill. Um, and these two strikers were, I think, would complement each other and, and play together. But I also think they would have individual skill that would scare most central defenders. Hey, is, which first one are we going for then? Which one? So either one. Um, right. mo mobility. One's very mobile um, and represented his country on numerous occasions. Trevor Francis. Close. He will get an honorary mention. Okay. Good guess, Andrew. Um, numerous times. Numerous occasions. Was it a country? Yes. Prolific goal scorer, I would say. Prolific as well. One of the main strikers I've got in my head is somebody you've said already. But he didn't I play that many times for England because of injuries. Yeah, that's yes. what I mean. I was... Him, Hurst, right one. David Hurst. David Hurst? No. No, no, that's who I was thinking, Marv. That's what I knew he was thinking. That's what I didn't think it was because he did. 
numerous prolific, numerous occasions he played for his country because I thought David Hurtin had played. This this, this this person played for his country around about 30 times, scored around about nine or 10 goals, I would say. So his average was one in three or thereabouts. Um, but for, for club, every club he went to scored a lot of goals. Did he also play for Spurs? No. Every club he went to. Did he play for England? He did. He played 33 times and scored nine goals. Did you play under he, 21s with him? No. <laughs> when you said, did he play for England, I thought you knew you got someone in your head, Andrew. No, you said, you just throw it out there, just trying to... I'm just trying to help us along, Marvin. So um, this guy, his total career, oh, oh, scored okay. over 200 goals. Did he... Oh, no, he didn't play. So that's the wrong one, then. He played for England, got 33... Eight to nine goals. Yep. 500 appearances, 240-odd goals. For different clubs? Different clubs. Where did so you play with him at? England B. I think it was Yugoslavia. At, or maybe Italy at the Den, Millwall. We both played up front together. And he didn't play for Tottenham, though? He That's did not. Because no, I thought Chris I... Armstrong... No, yeah, he I mean, was yeah. he was going to get an honorary mention. I played with um, him at Palace um, and did play for Tottenham. Oh he was very very close, but but the two that picked him, I feel pound for pound deserve to be in my team. Kabaddi would have been on the bench in that eleven or in, in the twelve. Right, I'm just going to start chucking names out, Marv, because if not, this is going to get embarrassing. Right, Robbie Fowler, no. No, he's got, he must have scored more than nine goals, surely. For England? No, because he was in that era when it was all oh, Shearer. It was a it had Shearer, Wright, he had loads of them. And it's, not, and it's not Ian Wright, because he's got way more goals than 200 and whatever. It was Ian Wright. Is he not? <laughs> is Ian Wright? I mean, it's respectfully, yes. has he only scored 240 goals in 200, his career? 239 goals. He scored 94 uh, I thought he uh, wore that T-shirt with 180 for Arsenal. For Arsenal, he scored 128. What was that T-shirt all about then? I swear, am I imagining that T-shirt he wore? No, when, I know he wore when when he broke yeah, Cliff it. Because I'm a Arguna. Yeah. I swear he's. That's what. Yeah, ma- maybe I've got my. Maybe I've got my information incorrectly, mm. but. Um, but Andrew, you according- got there, Andrew. We got there. You got there. But according end. to Wikipedia, that's that's what it says. So Ian and I played for. England uh, B team. It was a cold Wednesday night. We played at Millwall. That was the first time I met his mum. Uh, I, I knew Ian pretty well before then, and I met his mum after the game. Um, I think we won 1-0, if, if memory serves me well. I don't really remember much about the game. What I do remember about the game is that um, Ian was very, very nervous, and he got taken off, I would say, about... 10 minutes into the second half, I got, he got taken off. And um, at the time, I was in awe of Ian. I was like, wow, I'm playing up front with Ian. And for me to stay on the field and Ian get taken off, for me, was was an achievement in itself. Because to me, I would say he's probably, um, as an English player, probably someone that I have the most admiration for. I mean, he's like a, a hero to me just because his unpredictability, his ability to score goals... I think he is, uh, he's just an entertainer. 
he's just a, a, a total entertainer um, and, and a great human being. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Totally well, agree. We got there. We got there. Oh, this here we go. One. Is this going to be hard? This going to be a harder one than this one. I reckon this is David Hurst. Yeah, spot on. Yes. Well done. It had well to David be. He is Hurst. such an underrated player. And you hear oh. his name on this podcast so, so many times. Yeah, he, I'll be honest with you, I played with him, England under 21s in Toulon, and thought he was a great player then. I was like, wow, this, this kid's not bad. And, you know, he was there for a week, and it was, I think we got through to the semifinals or something. And he, he did well. I mean, he's, I think he scored one goal in the seven games that he played or five games he played. So he wasn't really a prolific goal scorer. But when I when I went to Wednesday, the two biggest things for me going to Wednesday was one, going to be around Big Ron, and two was the opportunity to play with David Erse. Um And then when, I tra- when you train with him and see him in action, um, very, very underrated. I mean, people talk about him in the air he's not the tallest of guys i think he's 511 um really good in the air very very strong very very mobile i mean just a great all-round player and in front of goal he was you know he was lethal in front of goal he just yeah i mean he, there are strikers like me who need assistance with scoring goals i'm not going to score a goal because i create a goal it's mainly because people put balls in areas that enable me to be able to score. But with him, you know, you could give him the ball, he could dribble and score. He could get on the end of things. He would get up in the air and score goals. You know, he could create his own goals, you know, turn and shoot and, you know, just a phenomenal player. Um, And I think him and Wright together would have scared any back four in this whole, in the whole world. You know, they would have been terrified of the two of them. No, definitely. No, Great pairing and what a team. What a team. Excellent. And, and, and like you said, Andrew, I, I think, you know, he underrated and probably didn't get the accolades. Um, had a few issues with injuries. Yeah, that's you know, what he, it was, he, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he, he had, I think there was some other, other mitigating circumstances that didn't really fall in his favour that I won't go into. But for the most part, injuries and so on, um, didn't really favour him. But if you got David Hurst, a half-fit David Hurst on the field, he was worth his weight in goal. You know, he's just um, a, a great player. And again, like I said, a, a very, very funny man. Um, he was quite hilarious. Um, great dressing room banter. A, a, a real great character, a real northerner, a real heart-and-heart heart sort of northerner lad. Born in, I think it was Rotherham, no, Barnsley is where he was born. Um, a, a real great character, really bubbly character. Excellent. Honestly, that's a really great team. And yeah. Wrighty and Hurst together, um, that must have been a few kid games growing up, those two coming through the ranks together, I'd have thought, because uh, they're roughly the same age, aren't they? Yeah, they're not too too far apart. Yeah. Um, I think Wright is marginally older marginally than Hurst. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that that would have been in, in my mind again. When the team that I went for, I wanted a bit of flair in in the final third. I, I'm I, I like teams that have a bit of flair, a bit of creativity. But I, I like a solid back four, um, and I also feel that the team that I picked would have lended the opportunity to to migrate to a maybe 
a three in the middle of the park, put Waddle behind the front front two, and yeah, um, I think there's a lot of versatility in the in in the players that you know you could have gone for. You know, Southgate could have been a six. You could have played with two yeah. tens, shares and and Wads. Um, great flexibility. Excellent, excellent. Over to you, Marvin. Yes, yeah, so. Paul, I know you've been in um, America now for a number of years, but just for like um, the listeners and some of the old clubs you've played for, just like take us through what I mean, what you're doing now, basically. Uh, so I, I came to Florida sort of ten years ago, um, and really just 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 came because I'm a lover of the heat, as as we discussed earlier on. Um, I don't like the cold. And, you know, my partner, she came from Florida. So I, I, I really came just to, to get away from London, from just the cold and the miserable weather. I um, was fortunate to get a job literally in next to no time managing um, a youth soccer club that was part of Florida, uh, Chicago Fire. We was an affiliate of Chicago Flyer, um, which was the MLS club. Um, they had sorry, like- sorry, they're an affiliate to Chicago. I mean, yeah, so I know I teach geography, is, but most people would know that Chicago is a hell of a long way from Florida. How is it, that? It definitely that is. So how it works is that they have these affiliate clubs that kind of feed them talent. And and really, it's it's more PR than anything else. Right. But essentially, they had lots of different um, affiliates more closer to um, Chicago area, sort of Illinois around there, sort of Michigan, etc. Um, but... Chicago would come down to Florida every summer to do their preseason training. So when they came, they hooked up with a club right. that they had an affiliation to. So every year we would send players up, our best players up there to see if they were good enough to sort of play in their youth teams, et cetera, et cetera. So I took over that club, um, I'd say about two months after coming to Florida and worked there for seven years, um, helped grow the club, and then decided to take a back step. Um, and during that time, I um, opened a uh, an academy myself, which was really just training kids um, and, and, and coaching a couple of teams. So really, the last few years, all I've done really is just help some of the younger players um, get into college, um, you know, players with aspirations to play in at that next level. In in America, there's a great aspiration for kids to be able to go to um, uh, an American college under a scholarship. And, you know, for the local community, I try and provide pathways and opportunities to help the local kids, you know, recognize their potential and get into to colleges. So I set up a program that kind of helps bridge that gap between club soccer and college soccer so that's kind of what i i do at the moment no excellent excellent sounds a little bit similar to not similar but sounds kind of direction you're going in marv a little bit yeah yeah yeah. in terms of college i mean with terms of the college of scholarships yeah yeah it's you've always mentioned yeah it's a big thing here you know to, to help the youth as i said when you spoke initially at the beginning about management i don't see that as being my vocation i i feel that helping young kids now enjoy and love the game and teaching them and helping them um, whether it's to go to college or just to say, you know, I love the game and go on and teach other kids to love the game because, you know, there's definitely a lot of potential here in the U S for the game to be one of the, 
the bigger sports, you know, I think it's maybe the third or fourth sport. But for the, the sport to grow, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, so I'm an advocate for, for football or soccer, as we call it over here. And anything I can do to advocate the game um, is, is what I really enjoy doing. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time um, today, for you're jumping welcome. out your pool. Yeah, um, cheers. Well, you're about to jump back in your pool. Um, yep. You're showing off because this podcast is going out in obviously November and all the English are enjoying the rain and cold. So hopefully um, they've enjoyed that. Uh, thanks so much for your time and hope everybody enjoys Paul Williams's My Best Eleven. <laughs>